Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Do you dream of being CEO of your own empire? Running your own company? Achieving your life's goals? Yet wake up in a cold sweat? Next to last night's takeout leftovers and a pile of bus ticket stubs? You are not alone. Like many others, you are suffering from a classic case of caviar dreams, tuna fish budget. I'm Margaret Josephs. And I'm Lexi Barbuto. And every week, we'll be talking to influencers, trailblazers, disruptors, and risk takers who'll share their own journey to caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. Side effects may include increased motivation, boundless happiness, and a fast track to success. Well, hello, caviar dreamers. Hello, caviar dreamers. Ooh, the light is very bright today. It's a great way to start the new year, though. We're out of COVID. It is. We are out of COVID. We're feeling better. Not 100%, but better. Yes, and guess what? Working on your mental health. Self-care, because 2021 did not start amazing. No, it did not. So crazy. But we have on a great guest, Dr. Sam Von Reich. Yes. I think Sam Von Reich, that's how you say bless yes, We're going to clarify. Make sure we get that right. And she wrote an incredible book called Rethink Your Shrink. Yes. And you know all more about the therapy. Yes. But you know what the thing is that Sam thinks, Dr. Sam thinks, talk therapy and meds are not the only solution. Now, I really agree with that. I like alternative therapies. I don't think... Um, you could expect a Ferrari to run well if you put Coca-Cola in the gas tank. And I think that we all eat wrong. We, you know, are too stimulated from our phones and our computers. And we expect our mental health to have clarity and our bodies to function well. If you don't treat your body right, it's not going to work right. You guys, this is going to be like a reset for your life. And her personal story is so interesting to how she got to her own caviar dreams. So she's the yes. real deal. Let's, let's get her on. Hi. Hi, Hi Sam. Hi, Sam. This book is amazing. I just love the title, Rethink Your Shrink. But I just, we want to talk about how you even got here and mm-hmm. your childhood, because it's like you said, you were, you were stealing jewelry from your friend's house when you were seven yeah. years old. Tell, yeah. tell us about this. Wow, you remember that. That's awesome. Um, so, um, so, I mean, initially, I, I, would, I would say to begin with that, uh, that my parents had a very unhappy marriage. I think they loved each other in a certain way, but they didn't know how to get along. So, um, so I and my two sisters were very much ungoingly exposed to lots of fighting. Um, our, our mother told us way too much about what was going on. I had um, a sister who was later diagnosed as, um, as autistic. 
She's moderately autistic. And so there was a lot of focus on her and her problems. My older sister had a lot of personality issues. She was very rebellious. And so here I was like, kind of like the good kid in the middle of all of this chaos. Um, and, um, you know, my solution to how I was going to feel good was to be as perfect as possible. Um, and, and I would say I succeeded in that. Um, and uh, for the most part, you know, I was a good natured uh -huh. kid. I was good to my parents. Um, I was the one who had friends. I was, you know, I was very, very good in school. And, um, and so that was, you know, kind of where the, um, the plunging off point for me was uh, in college, as I indicated in, my, in the introduction of my book, um, where, you know, I know it sounds completely insane, but I got my first B plus that I think I had ever received at Princeton. And I started to feel suicidal. Like, and it was in, and it was in, I know that sounds completely like ridiculous, um, but it was in a course that was pursuant to a law degree, which at that time I thought that I was going to pursue. My parents had, you know, I came from a Jew, from Jewish parents. Yes. I had two options. I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, and uh, so, uh, so when I got that B plus uh, in that course, I started to think, oh my God, maybe I'm not going to be good in this. And also it was my freshman year. And, um, you know, everybody at Princeton was the best. And so I had spent, I had taken so much stock in being the best. Um, I worked very hard, um, but, you know, I was very smart. And so, um, so, you know, so much of my self-esteem was invested in that. And, um, and here I clearly was not, I was not the best. I mean, I was going to school with people who are complete geniuses, people who didn't work, uh, have to work like a fraction of the time that I had to work in order to do well. And my objective at Princeton was not only to do well and to be like, oh, wow, this is so great. I got in, but to be the best, right? The cream of yes. the crop. And so, um, on so that, that made that, you know, that was the first time that freshman year after Princeton that I um, really started to feel like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I'd be better off not being alive. I can't handle this. Um, and that was the first time that my parents, you know, had the thought to, um, to send me to, you know, to send me a therapy. Meanwhile, you know, I had also experienced uh, I would say years of depression and anxiety in high school and had an episode for that maybe lasted a few years of PTSD after pretty severe bullying uh, for being Jewish uh, at the age of um, like 10 years old. So, but you know, at that time, like uh, that wouldn't be the first move that a parent would make like, oh, this kid needs therapy. You know, they protected me. They pulled me out of the school. I was homeschooled for the rest of the year. They um, they put me in a Jewish school where I, I did very, very well. Um, and that, that ended up being part of my journey because that was my first exposure to uh, to God, to, uh, to Jewish tradition, uh, to spirituality. And that really, you know, later became some of the foundation of my spirituality, which became such an incredibly, I mean, I would say spirituality is the most important thing in my life and has been for, uh, for decades. Oh, I, I came from an atheist family, um, you know, which was very common uh, among uh, Jewish people having gone through, you know, we lost lots of people in the Holocaust and all of that. So, so, you know, the solution of a lot of American Jews was just to assimilate 
Um, there was no God because obviously how could God let something like that yes. happen? Right? No exposure to that whatsoever. No, no one ever used the word God, never. And so here I was plopped. Didn't grow up, grow up going to town. No, no not, nothing, zero. Um, so, you know, they felt, uh, as, as I think a lot of assimilated Jews do, um, still do. They, they felt very proud of being Jewish and, and they were very intellectual, very highly cultured people, both my parents, wonderful people, even though they fought like cats and dogs. Um, but, um, but no mention of God. And so, so the fact that by default, I ended up being plopped into this, into this Jewish school really gave me exposure to spirituality that was completely alien to me. Um, and, and as I said, formed the basis of, uh, really what I think is the most important thing in my life now. Um, which, which is interesting because psychologists generally don't, you know, just like a lot of other things in the yes. book, psychologists, uh, do not talk about spirituality, um, and how, um, people's spiritual lives in psychotherapy it is very unusual. And that is based on the fact that psychology has a background uh, in science, it was struggling so hard to be a science that um, it didn't want to seem like an art for a very long time. You know, part of the Freudian tradition, psychologists are trained specifically not to talk about themselves ever. And so, um, so my writing that book is also breaking with that tradition of, you know, and I'm a very real person. And certainly yeah. my, my clients, you know, do know some things about me here and there. But you know, it was really um, about breaking that tradition of uh, psychologists specifically, not therapists so much, but psychologists being uh, being totally neutral, like not having, I was instructed, don't keep a picture in your office that could identify anybody in your life, like that, that extreme. Um, and um, so, and, you know, later on, of course, having had much therapy like that and recognizing that I don't think, I didn't think that that healed people because it didn't heal me, um, that, you know, that I, I, I saw myself more in this book, certainly, and also in therapy to some extent as a role model, that if people don't know I've gone through stuff, mm -hmm. yeah. how are they supposed to feel inspired by me if I just seem like this perfect person that, that doesn't have any issues? And so, so the book was really, wow, that's a long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> no, but well, I that think was so relatable. But yes, it's so, so and, and I just absolutely love it. So, what made you <clears throat> like you started doing all these alternative therapies, which I find so enlightening and interesting with the vitamin D and the fish oil, and there's so many helpful things. So, tell me, how did you? Because listen, I've been in therapy for years, talk therapy. I'm not on medication. Um, but I have, what made you go through all of these different things and made you learn about it? Like the ADHD that you diagnosed? Sure, sure. Um, so, you know, so, so that part of my journey, I think started, you know, I, I'm, I'm somebody who very much believes that everything happens for a reason. And then that became very much foundational to my kind of my, my spirituality, um, that, you know, I, um, from the time I was in high school, I had a lot of physical problems. I had a lot of mental problems, <laughs> a lot of mental problems, but I also had a lot of physical issues and the, and the physical things got a lot more attention because my, my, you know, that was a time that again, parents weren't like, you know, carting their kids off to therapy left and right. So, 
So, um, but I had, you know, I had chronic pain already by the time I was in high school. Um, and that progressed during my 20s. Uh, I developed TMJ, I developed severe migraines that used to be like excruciating, unremitting for days on end. Um, and I um, not only was that never diagnosed, uh, you know, and I think neurology these days is a lot more hip about migraines, but at that time it was never diagnosed and I get debilitating and I was already working as a psychologist. Mm. They last for three or four days. I, I have that. I have that. I'm on top of it. I mean, crying, crying, trying everything. So, um, so one of the things that, uh, that uh, a friend I had at the time had said, listen, I've had migraines. Have you ever tried acupuncture? And that is the reason acupuncture is the first chapter of the book, because that was, that was really the beginning of my holistic, alternative, out-of-the-box uh, journey, is, um, is discovering that, uh, that I, had, you know, I had had, had the, the headaches for years. And the very first relief, the very first experience of relief that I had was, it was, was something out of National Geographic. Like literally, you know, I had been already was in day three of a migraine. My friend drove me to the act to this acupuncturist. I forget how the hell we got her name. Mm -hmm. um, and this woman barely spoke English and she stuck needles all over my head and she lit the ones on the top of my head, like incense. Oh, and, um, and I was like, I was scared, but I was desperate and, and desperation, I think is a desperation is like a really good recipe to be open to something new. Um, I came from a very conservative family medically. I mean, they were the kind of family that said like, oh, chiropractors are witch doctors, like uh -huh. the other than an MD. Um, and so this woman lit the top of my head. I had needles all over me and you know, within 45 minutes, the headache had subsided and was down to maybe like a four or five on a scale of one to 10. And I thought, holy crap, this is un, like, I, I had no way of explaining this. Yeah. And that was the first experience I had that opened my eyes to the fact that there, um, that there were a million different solutions most of which I had never heard of, I had not been educated about, I never heard of this, and, and that was just through the migraines, but becoming a fan of acupuncture and recognizing, and then, you know, I, I got, um, became familiar with the research. The research was that people on the third session of acupuncture were responding with even severe depression as opposed to antidepressants that were, you know, that, um, that were taking months with only a 40% response rate, a positive response rate at best. Um, and um, so I, I began cautiously to, um, you know, having, having gone from that experience with migraines, then, um, then it became acupuncture as my primary medicine, I would say, um, for all the different physical issues that I had. And then I began to recommend it to my clients for anxiety and depression. And the results of that were like mind blowing. They were mind blowing. So I thought, why has no one ever told me about this? Why have I never heard of this? Why did I never hear about this in my doctoral training or thereafter? 
And I began to refer, I would say, you know, at this point, probably 30% of the clients that I work with are also uh, involved in acupuncture. I, what I found was that I'd refer somebody after the second or third visit, um, they would feel so much better, and then I could take all the credit. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's so good. I mean, amazing. And I, I also, love acupuncture. I have to go more often. I, I went as far as recruiting an acupuncturist to my own office, who I had for many years. And, um, and I just, uh, just having moved to a much larger space now in Bridgewood, um, we are going to be- Oh, you're in, you're in New Jersey? Yes. Why did I think- uh, well, That's how, I mean, Marty lives 15 minutes away from me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm so coming there. Yeah. Yeah, so- um, Why are you in the city? I don't know. So we're so the new building is right on 17 Ridgewood, and we have space now actually to have um, to have acupuncture rooms. This is the point that I was making. Whereas you know my previous office and premise didn't have um, didn't right. have space, but I refer you know I mean like unbelievable number of um, of clients to um, I have my guy that I adore. Uh, and uh, he's in Ridgewood, and he's wonderful, Marcus Rosario. And um, so, uh, and I recruited him. I found him in a practice he was working, and I thought this guy is gifted. And uh, and uh, you know, I never looked back. I mean, that became so. That was really the beginning. Going back to your question about it, opened my mind in a way that it could never slam shut again. Like I was off to the races. Then it was like you know, I had uh, so. You know, I had all these other issues that I figured out over time. Like another big one was um, was uh, was that I developed a thyroid issue, which I probably had from the time, honestly, that I was a child. Yeah. Uh, I had trouble maintaining um, a healthy weight. I had issues with my body temperature. My uh, my dad also suffered from. Um, from severe anxiety and depression, and I thought he had a thyroid issue. And, um, and again, I started the traditional route. I begged my colleagues, like, there's something wrong with me. I'm exhausted all the time. My hair was falling out. I gained 25 pounds, uh, and uh, nobody would, you know, they were like, oh, you seem really stressed out. You know, yeah. maybe yeah. you should relax, which is like the famous answer to the things we don't understand, especially in um, in a 40 year old woman. So, um, so, you know, I had to go on a search and in the end I discovered, you know, all these, um, or actually it wasn't all these cause it was a few holistic, holistically oriented, uh, physicians talking about subclinical hypothyroidism and how that led you know, mostly women to have all of these symptoms wander from doctor to doctor and not get a solution. So I went as far as going to the Atkins Clinic in New York City. I'm sure you guys remember yes. um, Dr. Atkins, who has since passed away many years ago. Wow, what a character. Um, so, <laughs> but I went there and, you know, he substantiated a diagnosis that nobody had been willing to give me because he was actually a very out of the box, very holistic doctor. From that point to feeling better, like I'm going to say that within two weeks of being on the right medication, symptoms that I had now for maybe like 18 months, um, including like the extra weight, the depression, the exhaustion, um, they began to subside. And 
you know, and that was another thing through my own experience, I became extremely attuned to the role of hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism to some extent in, um, in anxiety disorders, panic disorder, depression, um, the inaccuracy of hormone testing in general. Um, and from that point over a few years, I developed an entire group of holistic physicians and practitioners that, um, that I refer, um, I would say, you know, I, I do a standard uh, thyroid evaluation for just about every patient who comes to me for depression and anxiety. Um, and I think that therapists, um, I've honestly never met a, a therapist uh, who is not miserably ignorant about the role of hormones in mental health. Um, and um, so, you know, so that was another thing for me that, um, and, and, you know, later on, of course, learning different things about hypothyroidism, that there are different kinds and what Hashimoto's is, and, and that's in my thyroid chapter as well, that that's really an inflammatory condition. Um, and that led me to really look. I have had, I just was recently that, diagnosed yeah. with Hashimoto's. So, you know, so things like diet and reduction of your toxic load being um, extremely important to reducing thyroid antibodies, which are at the heart of Hashimoto's. No one ever told me that. What I was told is that there was nothing I could do to reduce my thyroid antibodies that I should just taking, I should just take medication. However, my thyroid antibodies were literally some of the highest numbers that the doctors that I had had ever seen. They were 2,000, 3,000. Like, I mean, I really should have been um, many times, I think, in my life. I should have been on disability. Like, I should not have been functioning. Um, and so, you know, so, uh, so while, while it is not perfect, what I, um, the, the single most important thing that I did as far as in addition to medication, which I'd done many years before was, um, was I changed my diet and, and, um, drastically I went on an inflammatory, uh, inflammatory, an anti-inflammatory food plan that not only cured whatever residual eating body image issues I had going back to, uh, going back to high school, actually more like middle school, because my weight at that point just remained, my weight and my diet remained extremely stable without trying. Um, but also my, an, my antibody numbers from my Hashimoto's went from the thousands down to a couple of hundreds. Um, it was crazy. I mean, it was, it was actually insane. So, um, so, you know, my, I am my own best or worst guinea pig, I guess is my answer. And every, every answer that I discovered for myself, I was so excited about, you know, integrating that somehow into what I was doing with my, with my clients. And, um, I have to say, I feel as though I have helped many more hundreds of people at very least, um, by virtue of the things I suffered from myself. Well, I think there's so much good information in this book. Do you work with other um, doctors and psychologists, like groups to like teach them or, or have discussion about it? So, you know, so, so certainly I do my best to educate the physicians, uh, my, my own team certainly, um, which, you know, which is, is very familiar with and representative of my kind of holistic brand. You would be surprised outside of the holistic community, however, how, um, how defensive 
And uh, I don't want to say narrow-minded, but I would say to some extent narrow-minded, um, what they call allopathic physicians can be. Like the idea that it's like, well, there's not enough data. Um, whereas in fact, there is quite a bit of data. And they, there, there's, there, there's a sense that they don't want to be kind of like toppled over by these holistic concepts and treatments. And so in my own community, it's like we speak that language. Outside of that community, um, it's, um, you know, it's challenging. I mean, I do my best to be an influencer and I, and I do believe I have, um, but there's a sharp dividing line between, um, between what they call allopathic medicine, Western medicine, and, uh, and integrative medicine. I know, you know, which, which is tough because I think it's a good, you know, you have to have a combination, mm -hmm. but I definitely think the holistic approach, I mean, it, it just helps so much and it's helped you so much. And I just feel like when I do things also. Yeah. My, I, I mean, my husband is bipolar. So, uh, and through the course of our marriage, he has seen every, you know, doctor, every, from the most expensive to the most out there. And I've seen him be treated by Dr. Feelgoods, where he's been over-medicated and zombie-like, his weight has been an issue. He's had a lot of issues, so I've seen this firsthand. And to me, I can never understand why no psychiatrist would say, hey, should we look at your diet? You know, like you're relying on this medication, which makes you not feel good. Now you're pumping yourself full of sugar or you're starving yourself through the day and eating in the middle of the night and you can't sleep. Like to me, your body as a whole, it's like your eating, thinking, your gut health, your mind, it doesn't make sense to me that, that doctors don't address it as a whole. It was so refreshing to find your book. And, um, thank you. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And, and the, more pe the more people become educated about holistic approaches, the less sense it makes to them that Western doctors don't even mention that. That psychiatrists, uh, I recently you know, came into contact with somebody who at, at very least mentioned having used a couple of supplements um, with, uh, with, his, with his patients. And I was honestly blown away, like, wow, that's, that's so different. Um, uh, so, you know, so things like diet, looking at hormones, um, very much looking at hormones and, um, and you know, and other type, types of self-care strategies for, uh, for bipolar um, acupuncture, believe it or not, even working with um, some, a few severely, I mean, severely psychotically bipolar uh, patients have benefited tremendously from acupuncture, like, ama like amazing. I, w I was honestly surprised. Wow. Um, so, um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm hoping that your, that your husband is doing is doing better or has found some type of right now he's doing a little better it's very hard to um to diagnose a lot of things correctly and live with like a function that that you have a quality of life with mental health it certainly is and it's still honestly in my opinion still in a rather primitive stage i feel like psychiatry is really rudimentary you know it's kind of like throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks in a lot of ways. I mean, don't get me wrong. The purpose of my book is not to communicate that some people do not uh, benefit from, from meds. Uh, that's certainly not what I, um, what I wanted to say. I feel like a lot of medication is unnecessary. People understood they had options. And also the amount of suffering that people have to go through to get to the right medication 
is not like they're using a scan. I mean, now they're finally doing genetic testing with people in the past several years to see at least which classes of drugs they, they're likely to respond to and which not. But even those tests had been around for many years and most psychiatrists weren't even using them even though they existed. So in other words, oh, you're not gonna do well with Lexapro or oh, Concerta wouldn't be the drug for you. You should go with Adderall or whatever it is. So, but you know, I mean, the, the more the more I grow and, you know, I always think like, oh, well, okay, now I have a new problem. Well, you know, I'm going to be able to help somebody. And even though I don't like, you know, jump around happy that I have this new issue, like I, I know now, you know, having been in practice a long time that I will have the opportunity to help someone who is lost with the same issue that I'm figuring out a solution to, you know. It's so it's it is it is so interesting. Me. I think this is such a great way for everybody to start their year to like buy rethink your shrink. And I think you have just so many hands-on easy things for people to do to feel better. It's like it's not like this like incessant talking. It's like get on the fish oil, light therapy. I mean, I mean, these are things that people could just do on yeah, their own, which easily. is which very easily could really just help themselves. Yeah. Yes, and, and I mean, most of those solutions are far less expensive than therapy. You know, I have my own light therapy lamp here, sitting right here, and it was like 35 bucks on Amazon, um, and it works like a drink. You know, it works like a drink. You just have to remember to, um, you have to remember to use it. Um, but even people who, you know, don't think they have a seasonal affective disorder, they can have a seasonal component um, and, um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's unusual for me to not see somebody improve with, um, with vitamin D or, or light therapy. And so, you know, I mean, so simple. Um, and actually, I have to say something that the traditional medical community has come around to somewhat. You know, when I started out, nobody was even testing for vitamin D. That was like a big, you know, like a big thing when, um, when people started to do that. So, um, so, um, well, Thank you so, so much. Um, well, thank you so much for coming you. on and tell thank everybody you. where they could find you. <clears throat> so, um, so my book, uh, Rethink or Shrink, the best alternatives to talk therapy and meds is available on, uh, on Amazon uh, and, and Barnes and Noble as well. Um, and, uh, and if you're interested in, um, in getting some guidance on any of these, uh, any of these, these thing, uh, things that we've talked about today, any of the issues in the book, um, certainly feel free to, uh, to reach out to me at uh, drsambonwright.com, which is our, our therapy website uh, located in Ridgewood. I'd, I would love to get feedback from people about, uh, about how they found the book, what they found most interesting. Um, that's really a turn on for me these days. I'm really enjoying that. Good. And, and do you have any social media that anybody could follow you on? Yeah, Instagram? So on Instagram, that's uh, dr.sambonreich. And also on Facebook, Dr. Sambonreich. Those are my two uh, main social media channels. There are a bunch of videos on, uh, on YouTube under the same name. Thank you so Thank much. You this so was so much. informative and so helpful for everybody to yeah, take care of themselves. Now, yeah. Everyone's anxiety is through the roof. These techniques Crazy. are so easy to just adapt into your daily life. Yeah, COVID is a whole, um, but I certainly think this is a very timely, uh, timely book for, 
uh, for COVID, you know, I certainly think self-improvement is, is one thing that we do have control over um, in the safety of our own homes. And, you know, it was certainly, um, I certainly, you know, utilized uh, a good portion of the shutdown to, um, to not only be working remotely, but also to be finishing the book that we're talking about today. So, you know, so I felt like I, you know, you take a difficult, right? I mean, take lemons and, and make lemonade. And, um, and so, um, so I, I feel like it was kind of like my, my, this book is my COVID baby. Good. Um, thank you both for being thank so you. lovely. It was so, oh, thank thank you so, so nice meeting you. And I'm gonna, we're going to come see you. you in person. Yeah. Again, thanks, thanks so Sam. much. Bye. Bye. She was great. She was great. And I'm telling you, People rely heavily on medication. I have I know, Western medicine. And, and I think that it's not about not using medication. It's about the combination of a I whole agree. life approach. Listen, I'm all about acupuncture. You cannot be afraid of needles. I you got to go. I'm shit scared of needles. Joe and I love a good acupuncture. You feel like a million bucks Dude, after. I'm so afraid of you being don't like even a little feel hedgehog. Them. He looks no, like you a do look I used to take my son when he was little. Oi, I'm so afraid of And it helped him. I used to take him for acupuncture. My dad used boy. to go. It's great. Acupuncture is great. I love the idea of light therapy. I'm going to order a light right now on Amazon. I think we should. Yeah, definitely. And I'm a big believer in um, supplements. You know, we put our stepdaughter, instead of on an ADHD medication, we put her on a natural supplement that was recommended by actually... Um, another progressive psychiatrist, L-thyrosine, which is good for cognitive function. And it was amazing. The letters about her disrupting the Zoom and turning on her volume and having her dolls sing to the class were all gone overnight. Well, that's so good. It was impressive. So, so I'm going to take everyone, take their vitamin D, take yeah. their zinc, fish oil, read this book, Read Healthy by Dr. Sam Von Reich. Yeah, everyone has to get this book. It's a great, great book. Yeah, easy read. And you're going to find it super interesting and you're going to feel better. And also, don't beat yourself up if you feel anxious, depressed. Yes, we have a million reasons to every, be anxious I mean, and depressed. We have a pandemic. Yes. We have political unrest, civil unrest. We have, you know, businesses People aren't working. Closing. Things are just crazy. So don't beat yourself up. Yeah. It's... It, if you didn't, if you didn't feel a little out of sorts right now, that would be strange. That yes. would probably need medication. I absolutely agree. So, so take good care of yourselves, everyone. Yes, caviar dreamers. We need you healthy. We do. And you can find us at Caviar Dreams Tuna Fish Budget on YouTube and Instagram. Anywhere you listen to your podcasts, new episodes every Wednesday with the real Margaret Josephs and the life of Mrs. B. That's right. See you guys next week. Keep dreaming. Keep dreaming, caviar dreamers. <laughs>